At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Many of us often wonder if going to church is worth it. But what if we told you God has a beautiful design for the church that very much includes you? The book of 1 Timothy speaks to these truths. And if each of us submits to them, our church will function as the loving family God intends. Join us this week as we look at the answers to the question, Church, why bother? Thank you. It's a great day, isn't it? It's not snowing. It's a good day. It's a great day. And what, what we want to just enjoy today is, is God's faithfulness, right? And uh, most of you know that I was actually on pastoral staff with, with Pastor Chris at his last church. And it was a little different. Evangel was a little different than you guys because if somebody had been poignantly struck by a, by a point that, that Pastor Chris or others were, were preaching, they would stand in affirmation. And so you would see, apparent, once in a while you'd see someone stand up saying, I agree with that. And, I, and then you'd hear, amen. So I want us all to say, amen. I want to hear that. Amen. Okay. That was pretty good. Let's try again. Amen. amen. All right. Because we, this is the kind of sermon you may not be saying amen to, because it's going to hit a little close to home for all of us. But hopefully you will. Hopefully you'll be able to say, amen, the, that the Lord is working within us. Amen? Amen. Pretty good. We're going to get this, you know. We're going we're gonna to learn this. So t- today we're, we're in the book of 1 Timothy. And so we're studying along the lines of, of a, our series called Church, Why Bother? And in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 are is our passage for the day. So just to be ready for it, if you want to take your Bibles out and, or your electronic devices and, and move to that, that would be great. Uh, Living Under the Yoke is the title for today, and, and so we'll look at that. I, I was reading an article. It's out of the U.S. Naval Institute Proceedings, which is a magazine put out by the Navy. And this was years ago, Back around in World War I, uh, Frank Koch, an author, wrote an account of two battleships that were assigned on training mission out into the seas, and they'd been out for several weeks in, on maneuvers in heavy, heavy weather. And Koch writes, I was serving on, a lead, on the lead ship, the lead battleship, and I was on watch at the bridge. As night fell, the visibility was was foggy, and it was very just. It was patchy and, and poor, so the captain remained on the bridge, keeping eye over all the activities. Everything was going on. Shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing said, "Light bearing on the starboard bow." The captain called out, "Is it steady or moving af- astern?" The lookout said, steady, Captain, which meant they were on a dangerous collision course with the ship. The captain then called to the signalman, signal that ship. We are on a collision course. Advise you, change your course 20 degrees. A signal came back, advisable for you, 
to change your course 20 degrees. The captain said, send, I'm the captain. Change your course 20 degrees. The signalman did that, and immediately this, the response was, I'm a seaman second class. You had better change your course 20 degrees. By that time, <laughs> the captain was furious, and he spat out, send, I'm a battleship. Change your course 20 degrees. Immediately, the flashing light came back, I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> they changed their course 20 degrees. When it comes to the passage today, we, this is the case for some of the Ephesians some of the believers there. They needed to be reminded, like the seamen, that Christians under authority serve a higher authority. Christians under authority serve a higher authority. I told you it was going to be a tough one. Uh, so we are looking in week nine of our series, and we are in the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is... Uh, you heard a few weeks ago, I think, is a part of a small grouping of, of letters written not to churches, but to pastors. And it's written to pastors to help them in their churches. It's to encourage them in ways that they're doing right, and it, it's also giving them instruction on when they have times that they need to work on it. So and we're, as we're looking at First First Timothy chapter 6, the passage is addressing bond servants in Ephesus, and he's instructing them on how to respond to both non-Christian and Christian masters for the sake of the gospel. First, I want to start out by talking about the reality of slavery bond servants. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, I, I try not to sing because I know I'm going to be, but that's, those songs are so great. I was just singing away, so we'll give me a second. I'll maybe whip my whistle a bit. Well, somebody asked me one time, what are you keeping that? I don't tell. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> Back to the story here. We're going to dive into our passage. Many Bible translators translate what the ESV or English Standard Version, bond servants, they translate slave. But there's enough difference between the two. I don't think it's, it's a practical word for us today. The ancient practice and the practice that we're most familiar with of the 19th century in the United States were vastly different, and they don't need to be called by the same thing. It is true that the bond servant inclu uh, included being owned by another human being. That's a true statement. They were property. But not usually was it based on race or, or, or culture or nationality as it was in the 19th century U.S. Nor were there kidnappings or forcing people to go into slavery as it was in more recent times. Ancient bond servants generally had more opportunities to earn their freedom. They could get out of that, that bond servant status. They also had opportunity to be educated. 
which was not the case, is not the case mostly of slaves. And the opportunities to increase their social and economic status. And they also usually were afforded the, the same status as their master. So if their master was of a high social status, they were given deference to the same high social status. And on the outward's appearance, it was impossible, usually, to know if they were a bondservant or a free person. Sometimes, sometimes they even preferred being a bondservant over a freedman because of the security that it offered. Still, bondservants were owned as human property by masters, not taking that away. They were, because of that, they were tempted to fight or be disrespectful, disrespectful to their masters, to their owners. Now, I want to tell you, Paul never validates slavery in any form. However, he still calls these bondservants to obey their earthly masters. He calls them to acknowledge and to honor authority and the authority structure. As a matter of fact, in, in major communities or cities in that area by, like Rome, Corinth, and Ephesus here, a one, full one-third of the population of those cities were bondservants. So the culture of the church was virtually affected in every aspect of the church. This bondservant to master ratio was a formula for tension. While Paul is addressing bondservants to respect their masters for the sake of the gospel, the practical implications are important for us today. We're going to dig into that and see how they, they manifest themselves today. While we're not bondservants, we are subservient to someone. There is someone in authority over us. There is a, a manager, a supervisor, unless you're the owner, and in that case, all of your customers are, are your, your boss. The, but the practical implications are Christian authority or Christians under authority serve a higher authority. Christians under authority serve a higher authority. The key question is then, how should we live in response to the God-given authority over us? How should we live in response to that? The first thing in our passage today deals with how are we supposed to respond to non-Christians. Let's look at that. It's, the first one is towards non-Christians, we are to show honor for the sake of the gospel. That's the first point there. And uh, verse 1 says, let us, let all who are under the a yoke of, bonds, of a bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. The yoke here refers to a wooden frame that was put on the neck of animals and that joined them together 
for plowing, for moving carts or whatever. My father, you can call, talk to me later about this. Don't try to think it out, figure it out now. My father was born in 1890. No, I'm not that old. He was very old when I was born. 66, if you want to do the math. Um, and he was, a, he was a preacher for most of his life. Before he was a preacher, he was a farmer. That's what, like everyone did in, North, in Ohio, was they farmed ground. And so he worked hard on the farm. There's even, a, a, my, we have a road named after the Purdy's, and it was Joseph Purdy who owned the many, many acres there. Yeah, the, I'm his namesake. And, and so my father, after he preached for many, many years, uh, a doctor said, you know, you don't have the heart to take it, not emotionally, but physically. Your heart can't handle you preaching anymore. So my father, being a very intelligent man, lacked in wisdom at times, decided it was much easier to go farming. So he bought a farm. Now, he had been farming in the early 1900s prior to the advent of tractors. and that. So he bought himself a team of horses and a one-bottom plow. He was going to tear out 77 acres. I'm not sure how. And he, he worked about a minute, I think, on it, realized that's not really the way to go. So he bought more updated um, equipment. He eventually rented it out for somebody else. But during that time, he expected those horses to pull the plow, and he would just guide it. And so what the Word of God is saying here is that all of us who are under a yoke as bondservants, that's all of us who work for somebody, we're working as a team or we're working for the benefit of our, of our masters, our employers. They are to be careful and worthy of honor. In this situation, Paul is speaking to not that they were taken captive, but that they were under the yoke. They're not slaves in the matter of they were captive. They were just under the yoke. A lot of ways you got under the, the yoke or became a bondservant. Um, we won't go into that at this detail. You can look it up in some Bible encyclopedia and find out the many different varied ways that you find yourself in that position. But they were under a master, and it says, regarding, regard to your own masters as worthy of honor, of all honor. Regarding to your own masters, or their own masters as regarding of honor, as worthy of all honor. While bond servants give to that, they are to give all respect and all honor. Why? Why do that? So the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. We have to understand that disrespectful behavior in any way, whether it be in the workplace or elsewhere, anybody, anytime you're working or, or serving under somebody, any way we do that in a negative shadow, is a shadow on the gospel and a stumbling block for the reception of others. Sadly, it's not the first time the Ephesian church was told that. As a matter of fact, in the book of Ephesians, just four years earlier, Paul wrote, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, 
with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants for Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord, not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. None of us are bondservants. I've said that before, but I want you to understand. But we all serve. We all serve under the authority given by God. Now, many of that, us find that in our workplace. You know, there is so much opportunity for the gospel to happen in the workplace. We can stand for Christ as a lighthouse so that others will see Christ through us. When I first read years ago the, the account by Paul when he says, follow me as I follow Christ, I thought, well, that's pretty arrogant, you know. Why don't we just follow Christ? Then I began to realize that he, won, he said, I am an earthly, flawed, but earthly example of how to live a Christ-given life. We need to be that for others. I was told over many times, but I've, been, I've heard the saying, you may be the only Jesus Christ others see. You may be the only example of Christ to an unbeliever that they will ever come in contact with. And in our counter-Christian culture, that's not hard to believe. So how, do we, how are we doing that? There is so much opportunity. There, in this environment, people will see us who we really are. You know, if you're a carpenter and slam your thumb with a hammer, they're going to see the real you. They're going to they're gonna notice. And I tell you, if they have any idea that you're different, that you might be a Christian, even if they haven't been told that, they're watching you. And the first words come out of your mouth are not, ouch. They'll notice. What are we doing? How are we in our environment? Who, are, who we really are? Who is that? They'll also know what we're made of. <laughs> you know, are, are we made of the good stuff or not? According to Paul, we can't separate our work from our worship. He writes in Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, bondservants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, that means don't take those staples, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. That was pretty tough statements. That was a pretty tough statement, wasn't it? This is the idea, though. We can and we are to adorn God in the, in the workplace. We are to make the teaching of God more attractive in our workplace by the way we respond to our God-given authority. I remember back when I was in football, I, yeah, I know, it doesn't look like a football body now, but it was, trust me, and we would, before we'd actually go to the football practice every day, we'd have warm-ups, you know, do catastenics, do stretching to make sure that, that our bodies are, 
are loosened up and ready to, to go through the practice. Well, many times, not all the coaches made it out for that. Maybe one coach would be out that he'd get you started. And we'd start our, our calisthenics and we'd all be right on, on pace. Then he might turn it back and look at something else or go around the corner. And then half of the guys, not me, not because I'm good, because I wasn't good, I was going to get all the help I could get, would stop, would, would lag away. They wouldn't hustle nearly as much when the coach wasn't looking. But when they saw him coming around the corner, you know, they're doing it again, you know. It's like they never missed a step. That's not the right thing to do, obviously. Let's be honest. How do we treat God? How do we treat the God given authority above us? Whether at the workplace or whether in in other environment, how do we do it? We don't always honor the authority, do we? And there's a lot of reasons. Maybe we struggle to respect because, hey, our boss hasn't earned our respect. You know, they're not doing it, so why should I do it? You know, their expectations are way too unbelievable. They don't. They don't deserve my respect. Or maybe it's hard to honor your superior because <laughs> they're not honorable people. You know, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but, you know, ever work for somebody that's not honorable? I think that would be a unanimous of every person that's worked anytime. Maybe your hard work, maybe you work hard when they're present, but not, watch, not when they're not watching, you aren't like the football team. By the way, in our new culture, that's pretty easy to do when you're working from home. It's easy not to honor the workplace when the workplace is your house. Now, some of it might start out well and kind of drift off over time. You know, I work as a wealth advisor right now, and, and I'll call people up, hey, you want to come and talk? And they say, sure. And I say, when would it be good? Oh, I work from home. I can do it anytime. doesn't matter. I say, well, do you have a lunch? Ah, it doesn't matter. I'll just come in. Now, I understand. I understand. Not everybody has a time clock punching, and maybe it's only working as a, as a goal. But are, even in your time, are you spending your time wisely when your employer expects you to be working? heard of a guy who was doing two full-time jobs at home getting paid two full-time salaries. And I'm still trying to figure out how he did that in, in about 30 hours that he worked. you got to be honorable even when you're not being seen by your employer. How do you speak to those above you? Do you honor and respect them in your words, in your attitude? Do they ask you a question? You say, sure, I'll get right on that. Or not. How about, do you jump in when coworkers are talking negatively about their boss? Do you, like, chime in? Or at least are you quiet, but hopefully are you showing respect to your coworkers? The way we respond to the non-Christian authority above us, whether they're worthy to be respected and honored or not, may just change the lives of those who are watching you. They may see something. They may see Christ. 
we must, be, we must respond the way God wants us to respond for the sake of the gospel. Paul says, for the sake of the gospel. Why? Because Christians under authority serve a higher authority. And this applies, us, applies to us at work, the boss. It applies to us at, wor- at worship. You know, pastors, elders, even church membership. It applies to the way we live our life. That I'm going to go here. Governmental authority, or where we grow our parental authority. I'm a parent of, of all adults, but I do play the dad card every once in a while, you know, because. I think they need to hear me, and they give me the respect, at least in my, to my face. No, <laughs> they give me the respect that they should. Now that we've dealt with non-Christian authority, let's look at the other part of that passage in verse 2. It says, those who have believing masters must be, not be disrespectful, disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers, Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good services are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. So the second thing is serve better to bless our family. Serve better to bless our spiritual family. Those in the Ephesus church might have been tempted to be disrespectful on the ground that they are not simply masters. When they're coming, and we, you know, the Bible teaches that. Paul was encouraging. When you come together, you are no longer master or bondservant. You are all in the family. And some bondservants took that a little buddy-buddy too far. And they began to disrespect their masters. They began to not adhere to the the message Paul is teaching. He says, do the, no, it's not, it's backwards. Do it even more because they are believers. Serve them all the better. Don't they deserve it as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? This seems to be a major rub in the Ephesian church. Mutual brotherhood of bondservant and master had led to an attitude of disrespect. The declaration that the gospel had leveled the playing field in the Christian households might have caused them to disregard this. There's a, there's a danger in play here just like it is was in the first part of it. The church's witness is hindered because of households being disrupted and disrespected by others. But Paul says, rather they must serve all the better. All the better is the word malon in the Greek, and and that qualifies an action as surpassing another in a degree of intensity. So it's like moving ahead, getting 
doing even more, beating, winning, being first place, achieving above others, doing over and above. When I, my kids were first going to, to work, their first job, Subway or Wendy's or wherever it might have been, I've drilled into them. If you do exactly what you're told, don't expect someone to pat you on the back. That's what you're getting paid for. Expect a slap alongside the head if you don't do what you're, what you're supposed to. But don't expect, I mean that figuratively, not really. But don't expect anything by just doing what you're supposed to do. You want to be noticed, go above and beyond. Do better than you have to. Paul's saying that here. Show others that your brothers, that your sisters by getting going better and beyond. Jesus said in John 13, verses 14 and 15, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you are also to do just as I have done to you. Maybe you know this. This is at, you know, at, and when they were together, Jesus took the, the bowl and began to wash the feet of everybody. And they were like, whoa, that's not supposed to happen. The kick on that, I won't go off on too far, but the kick on that, that's what they were supposed to do to him. But no one did it. So he just took up the bowl and did it. And when it came to Peter, of course, he said, uh, 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 don't do my feet. No, you're the master. He said, no, I got to do this. Then he said, okay, my armpits, my head, you know, do the whole thing. He said, no, Peter, you never get it. You know, uh, the feet's enough. The idea is serve one another. Jesus is the example of how, are we, how we are supposed to React. His point is clear. Being a servant is being a follower of Jesus. If we, want, if we serve under our authority, we're serving the way Jesus served. Whether you are under God-given Christian authority and you like it or not, serve. Whether you agree or don't agree with them, serve with integrity our calling as believers is honorable service to whom is, who is authority over us. In, his, in this way, we are not only honoring those above us, we are honoring who? God himself, yes, Jesus. We're honoring him. The situation in Ephesus that Paul is addressing is how bondservants respond, both to their Christian and to their non-Christian masters. But we have something to learn here as well, not just bondservants. We have something. This is a reminder that the life of a Christian is all about service. There are some that are given the gift of service, but it doesn't mean that we all are not supposed to serve. That's that's being a Christian. Why? Because Christ was. Because Jesus set the example. Our service to believing God-given authority 
is to be all the better, to shine the brightest, to do the best, never achieving perf perfection, but also always striving for excellence because it benefits the spiritual family. Sometimes it's easier to be a, under a non-Christian authority than under a Christian authority, isn't it? For several reasons. When non-believers fail, you don't hold them up to the same, it's same standard. My wife often reminds me when I get into that funk about that. She says, what do you expect sinners to do but sin? Okay, she's got a point. So if they're, not a non, if they're a non-believer, we can't hold them to the standard. So it's easier sometimes to work under that. Non-believers, when they treat us per, poorly, we aren't disappointed. That's what they're supposed to do. You know, I mean, not supposed to do, but we can't expect anything because they don't have Christ within them. Like the Ephesian believers, because we are both Christians and are supposed to be brothers in Christ, we expect certain things out of other believers. I encourage all of you today to serve under Christian authority to show honor and respect by serving all the better for the sake of the gospel. Amen? Amen. Christians, that's good. We're, we're hanging in there still. Christians under authority serve a higher authority. So let's wrap it up. Going back to the question... I asked in the beginning, how should we live in response to the God-given authority over us? Well, according to Paul, whether it's Christian or non-Christian authority, we are to show honor and we are show, to show respect because we serve a higher authority. So how are we doing? In the workplace, for the sake of the gospel, do you show honor and, and respect to the God-given authority over you whether, you, whether they are a believer or not? Do you speak well of them, even if they aren't present? Do you work as unto the Lord? I would think most of us here have some work to do if we're in the workplace. How about politics? Do we show respect and honor to the God-given political authority over us? How about those politicians we don't agree with? Over the last couple of years, I've witnessed a lot of Christians extremely disrespectful to political figures they disagree with. All the while forgetting what the scripture calls us to. 1 Peter 2 says, Be subject to the Lord's, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you also put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom to cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Honor the emperor. 
What about the church? How are we responding to the spiritual authority given by God that he's placed over us? Have we submitted ourselves to that authority with respect and honor? Thankfully, I, I believe we serve in a church that does that. But we can do better. We can stay vigilant. vigilant sorry. Hebrews 13 finally says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. While there are many other examples, Paul's point is clear. For the sake of the gospel, followers of Jesus Christ must respond to God-given authority with honor and respect. Remember, if nothing else, remember what Paul says, for the sake of the gospel. Christians under authority serve a higher authority. That can be exciting. That can be challenging. But remember, you are, might be the only Christ that others see. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.